Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's Welcome to part two of our Keep It and Dump It episode of 2020. I think we should make this a tradition. Now, last year we started the year, well, actually this year we started the year with a moving on episode where we left behind a bunch of shit in the last decade. And, you know, we had lended last year, we're talking about all the things that we learned in the last decade. Well, we're combining that all in this episode right here because this year has felt like a decade. 2020 has been a hell of a 10 years. Let me tell you. Now, in the last episode, you know, part one, we talked about some of the things we want to keep, some of the things we want to dump. Among those where we want to keep the virtual version of Smart, Funny, and Black. We want to keep, um, you know, the race consciousness about racism. We want to keep eating healthy uh, for things we want to dump. Some of those things are we want to dump COVID-19 and the fact that folks are pretending that they're not needing to wear masks and they're pseudo oppressed. We want to dump white people playing black animated characters and a number of other things. If you missed it, go back and listen because it's worth it. As we continue on, we have more. Oh, do we? Like what, Amanda? Well, you know what? I want to keep the growing community consciousness around being a part of voting. Okay, so... Joe Biden wins the election. I'm in bed that morning and I get overcome with emotion about 20 minutes later at just the reality that like folks really came out and voted. I did a video about it. I put it up. I saw the other day that someone titled their, I guess, hot takes because, you know, everybody's doing hot takes videos on YouTube or whatever. And they titled theirs, Amanda Seals cries over Joe Biden. Karakshiyam. Amanda Seals ain't never cried over Joe Biden. I was crying because I know that the only reason he was able to oust Trump is not because he's a great dude or because he's this incredible politician. No, it's because black people in communities all over this nation came out in record numbers to make sure that Donald Trump was not voted in as president again. And you can say what you want about Joe Biden, because I will join in with you in many, in many of those things, but he is not Donald Trump. And that's really what ultimately needed to happen is we needed somebody who is not equal to or worse than Donald Trump to be in office. And I do not think that he is equal to or worse than some people are like, well, Donald Trump says his racism out in the open and, and, and Joe Biden keeps his in the private in private. And I'm like, I don't think it's the same brand of racism. Well, Amanda, all racism is the same racism. No, it isn't. Nonetheless, I don't think he's all that fantastic. What I do think is fantastic is the race consciousness that I feel like has happened in the, in the wake of this and in the presence of this election for the black community in particular to see their necess- the necessity of their role in politics, particularly on a local level. Because even as we talk about defunding the police, you know, that, is ended, that ends up being ruled on by community positions that we vote on, by people who are in community council seats, by people who are in governor and mayoral positions. These are all voted on positions. We talk about, you know, police brutality and the police being held accountable. Well, guess what? That's the DA. It's the district attorney. It's a voted 
position. When we look at Daniel Coonan-ass Cameron over there in Kentucky, not wanting to bring charges, and for what it's worth, actually miscarrying justice by not even bringing up charges against the police department in the grand jury hearing of Breonna Taylor, we see that he is a district attorney and he is in the position to do this because he was voted in that position. Well, Well, guess guess what? When we come together in our communities and we vote for people that vo- that are actually in support of our communities, we are making ourselves an integral and vital part of the political process in ways that no one expects us to be. And that's really what's been going on, I think, for quite some time. When I hear people saying, well, I'm not going to vote because I don't matter. I'm not going to vote because black people don't vote. And that's just not even our bag. I'm not going to vote because it ain't going to matter. It's going to help our community anyway. I find that to be such a distorted view. And we've had incredible guests on this show for the past year. You know, Latasha Brown and Angela Rye and Joy Reid, to name a few, Sonny Hostin, you know, just talking about the necessity for us to vote and really involve ourselves in the political landscape. We really have to know, like, this isn't a fluke. And these women haven't dedicated their lives to this for nothing. Because that's the other thing that happens when you do that. You undermine the work of folks who have really committed their lives and their energy to making sure that our communities understand our value and the ways in which we can continue to enforce our value in spaces that are constantly enforcing oppression upon us. So I want to keep that trend going and rising and that knowledge and education around that advancing. It can be fatiguing. It can be exhausting. I will tell you all that right now I'm politically just, I'm spent. I'm Austin Powers after using a photo shoot. I'm spent. I can't. Ah, ah, ah. And so I've been trying to just, you know, kind of revitalize myself with other things, but that doesn't mean that I get to disconnect completely from what's going on. I still got to know because it's still going to happen to me, even if I think it's not involving me. (laughs) And that's the facts. So we're going to keep that. We're going to keep it on rising and raising. And that's the consciousness about it, not just the consciousness, but also our involvement, our literal involvement in how voting and politics affects our communities. I want to dump cooning. Amanda, what's a coon? A coon is a term for somebody who places white advancement as more valuable than black empowerment. And in many cases, considers white advancement, black empowerment. So we just talked about Daniel Cameron over there in Kentucky. And he is a perfect example of a coon ass coon. He's over there. And I'm not saying that his white wife is the issue, but I got to say, when he's marrying into this white family where there's not a black face in sight, and he's married into the family of the fraternal order of police, because he is sponsored by them and supported by them. He is also married into the politics of Kentucky that supports white elevation in the wake of black oppression. He was on the Republican national convention supporting Donald Trump. So he has, he's doing all of these things that demonstrate that he does not have love for himself or or for black folks. And, And for the record, Coonan has taken on a record number. I feel Now, of course, I wasn't alive during abolition. I'm sure there were coons out there like, why would we want to get rid of slavery? We got a home. We don't got to we don't got to find a job because they gave us a job. No, fool. You don't have a job. Your talent and your work should not be done 
at the behest of somebody who's going to beat you if you don't. It's not a fair exchange what you're doing for what you're getting. And then after that, we had sharecropping and we had chain gangs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But when we talk about Coonan in this new era, it's folks who are using their platforms and using their power to continue to support white oppressive measures. Even like someone like Terry Crews. Now, someone might say like, Amanda, he's not doing that. He's not supporting white oppressive measures, but it could happen in such a small way. When he went on and spoke out against Gabrielle Union, it's like, listen, I'm not saying that you had to necessarily agree with what she said, but you could have also just said nothing. And you know what was so wild about it was that he said something and then NBC came out and was like, well, his, what he said has nothing to do with our point of view. And it's like, you look at how foolish you look. You done got the whole black community looking at you sideways. And then these people ain't even claiming you. They're not even claiming you. It's like when a chick want to go fight somebody. I remember when this chick, I think her name was Simone. She came calling herself trying to fight me over an ex of mine. Because I had told her friend, tell her to be careful because that nigga be lying about how many baby mamas he got. So when she saw me, she decided she wanted to fight me about it. She wanted to fight me about me putting her on. So she calls herself fighting me. I end up pulling out her weave because people think that I'm a simp, but I actually have rage. So she set off the rage and it was on and popping. And then you know what ended up happening? He dumped her. He dumped her for fighting me. He literally told her no one puts their hands on Amanda. You dumbass. He not even claiming you. And you put your whole weave on the line. Now you see, that's Terry Crews. He put his whole weave on the line and NBC said, I'm dumping you. Nobody puts the peacock in the corner. So let's keep Coonan out of here. You know, it's watch has ended. What are we keeping? We're going to keep Zoom family togetherness and really just making virtual contact personal. Now, I know in episode one, I talked about how, you know, there's there's something to be said for the importance of actual interaction and, you know, that you can't like mimic what happens at a live show in the virtual space. But it doesn't mean that you can't still make the virtual space valuable. I know there's a lot of families that in this time have now started doing Zoom calls together as families. And whereas before they may have taken time to not talk about things because they wanted to talk about it in person, well, now since you don't have that option, it just gets talked about in the virtual space and it ends up having to get dealt with in real time. I have a lot of friends of mine who have said that they've gotten closer with their families during this time than they were before because there's an actual repeated Zoom date that happens. Like my man's family meets every weekend on Zoom and they'd be on there for hours. They was never doing that before. They would only see each other on maybe holidays or, you know, family reunions. And even then not everybody can make it because of different things, extenuating circumstances. Well, shit with the COVID of it all, most people can make a Zoom. Even if it's not for the whole time, it can be for some time. And then there's our friendships. When I had my surgery on my vocal cords, I couldn't talk for two weeks. So I asked my friends, you know, can y'all make like appointments so that we can have like Zoom dates where you all talk and I text. Y'all, this kept me sane, for real. And in some cases, we would have Zoom days where we would watch something together, like, and we would just be on Zoom. And even if it's not Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. 
we found a way to still connect with each other. Whereas if that hadn't been the case, maybe they would have come over, maybe not, but their availability would have been so much smaller. And this also made it so that I was able to include a lot of my friends who live out of town. So, you know, the, I want to keep this trend going of really making concerted effort to use this virtual space while we have to. Ah, let me add that caveat and asterisk. Use this virtual space for personal connection. See, I think that sometimes we take it for granted. Like, I know I have a real frustrating time with people who see me on Instagram and actually have my phone number. And instead of actually contacting me about like things that they may see on Instagram that seem like I'm maybe in distress or like I'm not feeling well or something or something, they'll instead just like watch it and then like table it in their minds. Like I'm a TV show. And so it's weird because COVID had kind of like, because I think so many people are having to live in this virtual space all the time, it shifted that for them. And so then folks who used to do that before now are like, hey, I don't know. I was on Instagram and she wasn't looking right. You good? So continuing to, to see how you can have like personal connections in these virtual spaces is something I think is valuable, particularly right now. Now, when it's over, I want us to make sure that we get focused on reconnecting in physical ways. Because again, you can't beat the analog. And that brings us to the next dump. Which is, can we just, I, so, I just hope soon, even though I know it's not going to be soon, but I hope soon we can dump not being able to hug people that we want to hug. Now, in some cases, this not hugging shit is dope. And they're not dapping. Because sometimes you just be like, I don't know where these little hands have been. Sometimes you're just like, damn, this pelvis against my pelvis. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. You know? But... There's people that you want to hug. Like my homegirl was telling me that, you know, her mom hadn't been able to hug her granddaughter for like two months because of COVID. And when she did, she started crying. And that human connection is so real. It really is. Like I didn't realize how much that lack of human connection had really like meant until I left Orlando because I was around my mom and we were quarantined. So I was still able to get my hugs in. But once I left Orlando and I was just back here and I was in my house and I had to be just like distant from everybody, you start to feel it. You start to feel your nerves like, no, where is the love? I want to be compressed. It's a doozy. That's why we all got to get weighted blankets right now. Yep. Get yourself a weighted blanket. And that's also why pets become so much of an important thing right now. Because you can still get that connection and hug from your pets, right? That's real. And I just think that like, there's a lot of us who miss that and it's showing up in other ways and our anxieties and our frustrations and our like sleeplessness. And so I want to dump that. Along with COVID, let's dump that whole we can't hug shit either. Because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering when we do finally get out of this, when the world makes its way out of this, is that going to be no longer a part of our society? Is shaking hands going to be forever just no longer in our society? Are we going to be talking about, man, man I, I remember, remember back, back in the day when we used to have to dap each other up. And, you know, like my man used to complain when we were in college about how he had to dap the same person up like five times throughout the day. And I'm tired of dapping these niggas up five times during the day. It's just frustrating. I've already seen you. I saw you an hour ago. I got to dap you up again. Nigga, I just saw you. I saw you when I came to class. And I got to dap you up again when I leave class. 
<laughs> I'm like, why does this bother you so much? He's like, because I don't like when niggas' hands have been, and I don't want to keep touching them. <laughs> so what he started doing was holding his hand up really low, and he's like, see? So that's a happy medium. I have now raised my hand up so that it is extended for a dap, which is the social norm, except I didn't raise it super high, so I didn't let them know that it was fully available, but if they really want it, it's out there. I'm like, yo, whatever you got to do. As my friend Mike Day says, whatever, whatever keeps, keeps you talented. Back to another key. Speaking of shaking hands and hugs, I want to keep the raised consciousness around hygiene and cleanliness and distance. Now, here's the thing. I said about hugging people that you want to hug. But then there was also, for a lot of us, the issue of proximity. People just not being conscious of their space, of their bodies. You know, people just really in your area, in your personal space. And you're like, yo, why are you so close to me? Don't stand so close to me. It's just like, stop. When you park in a parking lot and you park dumb far away and someone comes and parks right next to you, why? When you're in a movie theater and there's mad seats and someone comes and sits right next to you, why? When you're on the train and someone comes and wants to sit in the seat right next to you, even though there is a seat right across from you, why? I mean, that happened to me and actually ended up getting in a fight with a bum and he beat me with a box, but that's for another day. But also, you just start finding out how people was really not washing their hands, yo. People was really not washing their hands. And so there has been a raised consciousness and awareness around germs and how germs spread. It's an education that I feel like a lot of people just didn't have. And so now it's like out there and it's become a part of the conversation and the zeitgeist. It is now like common practice. Wash your goddamn hands. Wash them when you come in the house. Wash them when you leave a store. You know, use your hand sanitizer. And I know there's going to be people who are like, yeah, but when we're doing all that, we're fucking with immune systems and we're just going to create new germs. Fine. Make new germs. Okay? Make new germs that are going to drop. At the very least, it's still just also about the consideration for each other, you know, and that awareness. So... Anything that's leveling up hygiene. I mean, my homegirl went on a trip with a dude recently and she was like, I know that nigga was lying. He did not take a shower the night before. I know he didn't. She's like, because when I got up in the morning and I took my shower, them wash rags was crusty, okay? And they were crusty as if they had not been used within the last eight hours. They was dry. So I need us all to get our hygiene levels up, way up. Not just about washing hands, but in general. Cleanliness, they say, is next to godliness. Fine. Just make sure that if you're not practicing cleanliness, you're not next to me. What do we want to dump? What do we want to dump? I know what we want to dump. We want to dump dating people that are below your vibration. Because you know what's wild is that them be the people that end up dumping you. And you're like, how did this happen? Now, in my case, it's street niggas. Stop. Please. We can't keep dating street niggas. Now, I know there's people listening like, well, what's wrong with niggas from the street? Uh Uh-uh. I didn't say that they were from the street. I said they're in the street. You see what I'm talking about? Okay. You see what I'm talking about? Listen, it ain't where you're from. It's where you're at. So the same way that someone could be born into all types of sophistication and then just devolve into being a meth addict living in a shoebox on a corner 
is the same way that somebody could be born in the street and make their way out and actually access different spaces that allow them to have a healthy um, outcome and mental sense and, you know, utilizing resources, et cetera, et cetera. So it ain't all just about where you're from. However, some people want to stay in the gutter. Oscar Wilde has a beautiful quote that I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close to, all of us are born in the gutter, but some of us are looking up at the stars. And what I feel that translates to is that like all of us are born with nothing, you know, to the extent of like our person, right? And who we are. Like we may be born with, you know, money or access and all those things. But in terms of like our personality, like we end up having to shape that ourselves. And when he talks about looking up the stars, I look at that as like some of us are looking to be like greater than what is just shown to us. And so we continue to seek betterment of ourselves and expansion of our minds. And I have definitely dated folks who have been like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay right here on the basic or below the basic. And oftentimes I've had that experience with street niggas who are just like this. I mean, this is what I do and this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm about. And even if it's not about like hustling, it's just the mentality of like, I'm radical because I don't have manners. You know, I'm radical because I do what I want to do, regardless of how it affects anybody's feelings. I'm radical because feelings don't matter to me, even if it's my feelings. None of that shit is fucking radical. It's actually ridiculous. And it's actually reductive. And it redacts you from really being a part of elevating society. And what's wild to me is it be these folks that have kids and they somehow seem to think that their negative contributions aren't somehow having effect on their children. If they choose to, so they're like, I'm treating my children good. I just treat everybody else like shit. Well, guess what, baby? It comes around. That all passes through. It's the circle of life. Rafiki knew what was going on. So, Speaking of that circle of life, you also play yourself when you claim to operate at a high vibration and you continue to fuck with niggas that rock at a low vibration or people that rock at a low vibration. And that is something I had to check myself on because you think, okay, well, I'm helping or I'm elevating. And it's like, at a certain point though, you're not. At a certain point, they're very clear on where they're at and what they're about. And you're continuing to interact with them is bringing that into your space. You're no longer filtering into their space. No, they are now usurping your space. What happens then? Only bad. So we are dumping dating low vibrational folks. If they want to be on a high vibration, if they want to fuck with you, then they need to level up. And if they don't see the value in leveling up, then they don't see the value in you, which makes them no longer valuable in your life. I hope you all are enjoying this. This is our Keep It or Dump It 2020 episode. Now, we did a part one, so make sure you check that out. As we keep it going into this part two episode, I just want to say, you know, so much of um, 2020 and its madness has been tempered by being able to do this podcast and rock out with y'all. And just the fact that you guys continue to share this podcast and, you know, share it on your social media and share it in word of mouth. That means so much to me because again, I don't really, I don't market this podcast the way that a lot of other people do. You know, Joe Rogan has got like the biggest podcast in the world. 
in the world, something to that effect. And he's making a lot of money and he's talking to a lot of different people. And I'm hoping that we can continue to grow this podcast to get to a point where we can have a lot of different other people on the show too, because they see the value in getting to talk to you all. You all are a valuable audience, yo. We have a particularly strong black woman audience. I know that there are definitely a bunch of other listeners that are here, but particularly we have black women listening who are 1000% a strong audience that oftentimes gets forgotten. But you know what also makes this audience special? Y'all really care. Like, I feel like just in general, y'all care about the world, about yourself, about other people. And that is a valuable audience to be speaking to. Because it's this audience that I feel like needs to be the ones who are leading. We need to be the ones who take over. Because too many people are in power that don't fucking care. And I don't just mean in power in government spaces. I mean in power all over the place. They just don't care. So they don't make the best decisions for their employees. They don't make the best decisions for their families. They don't make the best decisions for their classrooms. Because they don't fucking care. So this audience, I care about y'all. And I appreciate the care that y'all put into your everyday life and into how you move. And I'm so honored that this podcast, because you all tell me this all the time, that this podcast helps in assisting you make decisions that are reflective of that care. All right, let's keep going. What do we want to keep? The resurgence of Black Wall Street. So this has really been a time where a lot of Black-owned businesses are getting support. And I know there was a lot of people who were like, you know, for Blackout Tuesday and for Black Friday. And even for us, when we did the Smart Funny and Black virtual shows, we created a um, an expo that you could go into virtually and, and get in touch with different Black businesses that were, you know, popping online. And I know for a lot of Black businesses that have online, they were able to continue thriving even in the midst of this economic downturn because it became somewhat like nouveau to support black businesses. You know, it was like, oh, like the cops are killing black people. Let's make sure that we buy some black toilet paper. <laughs> like, but you know what? Whatever works. Because the Black Wall Street in Oklahoma and the Black Wall Street in Durham were both bombed by jealous motherfuckers who just hated that black communities had found ways to thrive without white support. And the truth of the matter is, is that there will always be folks who find a way to thrive, regardless of the fact that there's going to be oppressive measures. But it's going to be necessary that we continue to support those folks who take those risks and who put their money out there and really try to work within the fucking wild, wild west of this capitalist nation and global economy. And when it comes to black businesses, we have to also know that as black businesses, we have to continue to keep up our levels of professionalism. We have to continue to keep up our levels of um, supply and demand and understanding that, no, we don't get to operate differently just because we black businesses in terms of lesser. Because some people really expect black businesses to operate lesser and some black businesses expect to have freedom to operate lesser because we're black. Fuck that. Get that shit out of here. We are going to keep the resurgence of Black Wall Street and keep the growth of Black businesses going because we need to. And because if y'all going to keep waiting for rep- reparations to be the thing that takes you over the edge, you're going to be waiting a long time. You know what's going to take us over? Us. What are we dumping? 
Y'all, I want to dump Zoom meetings that don't need to be Zoom meetings. You know, once upon a time, when you had a meeting, it was either a call or a meeting. For calls, you were on the call. For meetings, you came in. Now, it seems like everybody thinks every meeting is a Zoom meeting. Why? This is not the type of meeting I would have come in to see you on. I would have called you about this. We would have been on a conference call. So why are we on Zoom? You know what Zoom requires? You got to put your face on. You got to actually like give a fuck about how you look. In the house every day because of what we're in, I don't want to care about how I look every fucking day. And the truth of the matter is too, on Zoom, you got to be like on in a different way. It's draining as hell. You got to be on. You got to be like smiling. You got to have a certain disposition. And some of the people say, wow, shit, you can't let it show on your face. Listen, it's, 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 it's too much. It's too much. There has to be some perks to us being in this house. And, and it can't be a drawback that we got to see our employees and our employers more. That, that can't be it. <laughs> no. And low key, that might be the rub, right? That might be what folks are trying to do. Like, oh, you home? I'm going to have to see you more to see if you're really on it. All you got to see is my work. That's all you got to really see to see if I'm really on it. Oof. I'd be Zoom exhausted. Zoom exhausted. So all I know is that these Zoom meetings, we got to get better Zoom etiquette in knowing which needs to be a Zoom and which needs to be a call. And while we're at it, if I come on the Zoom, then everybody need to be on the Zoom. We cannot have this business of just three of us being on video and the rest of y'all thought it was, it was a, you know, an option. Fuck out of here. You better pull over. Last keep of 2020, SFB Society. All right. SFB Society stands for Smart Funny Black Society. It is an app that I created during this pandemic, back when I had all the inspiration in the world that has since <laughs> dried up. But luckily, I got some dope shit popping while I still had that inspiration. And one of those things is SFB Society. Now, for a lot of us, social media can be incredibly draining and frustrating. We just want to have conversation without confrontation. We just want to exchange with people and, you know, still have interactions with people, especially considering now we got to be in the house all the goddamn time. But Instagram and Twitter can seem so hostile and Facebook. It just feels like sometimes you just don't have a protective space, a safe space to just talk about things that matter. SFB Society. I created this as a safe space for folks who want social media that is conversation without confrontation. How does that get achieved? We have a membership. But that membership is what pays for me to have folks that are providing y'all with content and also that are providing y'all with security. It's like you have your own VIP section to be able to keep it a buck without getting bucked on. Because a lot of folks, if you buck, you will get nucked. We have had to kick people out of this SFB society for not following the basic rule of you can disagree without disrespect. And for some folks, that just seems like it's impossible, but it is imperative And I believe that is an integral part of us elevating and having intellectual conversation and philosophical conversation should be able to happen without feeling like you got a bit degraded. The fuck? I told Snoop straight up. Like, I didn't like, I didn't, that wasn't necessary for him to get Gail like that over Kobe's passing. We could dump Kobe's passing in 2020 as well. Oh my gosh, that still blows my mind. And rest in peace to Gigi. We really just don't, need to operate in that way in order to make headway. And SFB Society seeks to prove that 
by creating a community space in the virtual space where folks can actually commune with each other from all walks of life, because it's not just for black folks, it's for allies as well, in order to laugh, to learn, to elevate, to empower, and essentially to fight the power while fighting for your joy. So if you want to learn more, go to sfbsociety.com, get in the mix. We're in the middle of a relaunch where we are giving you all a whole bunch of new things and new access every week because we want to continue to make this space a dope-ass space that operates differently than these ones that are being run by your boy Zuckerberg. So let's grow it. Shit, we were talking about growing black businesses. This is a black-owned business supported by a black woman, created by a black woman, and run by black women. So support that. sfbsociety.com. Our last dump of 2020 is none other than Trump dumping. As we are recording this, the Electoral College is voting to officially name Joe Biden as the actual president. Now, a lot of shit has been confusing for a lot of folks around this because it was like, well, you know, can Trump like, if he doesn't concede, does that mean that he's going to like be able to still stay president? You know, is it, is it, is it like still up in the air? Should I get excited? Do I need to still have anxiety? All of these things. Um, at the end of the day, as I'm right here, electoral college vote affirms Biden's win. So there you go. That's it. There we go. That's it. Trump is officially no longer the president. Now, do I think he's still going to try and do some weird shit? Possibly. Would I still like to see him physically escorted? Like, you know, like in the cartoons where they're like being dragged out on their heels? Absolutely. I don't know why I said it that way, but it just felt right. But we got to dump Trump and not only the person, but we got to dump the things that came in office with him. Alternative facts. This continued support of ignorance, this considered pervasiveness of racism and of misogyny and of homophobia and of classism and again of racism, etc. And of and again of idiocy. What we have seen in the last four years is a country that has actively moved backwards from any level of insight. We have looked at information as if it is petulant. We are looking at um, a narcissist in office and people are claiming that he is what should be the example of leadership, which of course only then enforces narcissism, which also enforces megalomaniacal mania. You got people acting up in troops and groups and running around like they're fucking militias. Yeah, that all came because of this motherfucker. I'm not saying Biden is the savior, but I tell you what, ain't nobody getting up in their truck to go run behind anybody based on Joe Biden. He don't got that pull. And we don't want anyone in office that does. This man is a cult leader of the foolish, but of the armed. And I'll tell you what, I want to dump Trump also because I want to get rid of dumb armed people feeling empowered to move about without any repercussions. So when we say dump Trump, it's not just this person. It's the ideology that comes along with this person. And we got a lot of rebuilding to do. 
for real. I want to thank you all again for listening for yet another year. This is now our third year of doing small doses. We're looking to try and switch things up next year and continue to give you all the same dopeness of content and the same things that you all come here for, which is enlightenment and, you know, just keeping it real and self-help from the hip. But we're looking to add a different level of flavor. So I'm hoping you enjoy that. And I'm hoping that you will uh, get on board with us and continue to spread the word about this this uh, podcast that, that really I just started as like a thing because people kept asking me to do a podcast. But now that we are three years in, it just feels like such an integral part of um, my work and of, of my platforms. And considering that we are in this virtual world now, this is the one thing that has not had to change. We were doing this before and we're going to continue to keep doing this. And it hasn't had to, um, reimagine itself because it was already like footed. And that gave me a certain sense of certainty that I am very, very thankful and grateful for. So I wish all of you all a fantastic holiday. I wish you a happy new year. For those of y'all who lost loved one this year, I want y'all to take a moment on new years to speak to their spirits and to be thankful for your time with them. And I want us all to continue to avenge those who lost their lives to a virus that, you know, for all intents and purposes was not taken seriously. And we avenge them by having respect for each other and for the spaces and for the work that needs to be done to get this pandemic to come to a close. Wishing you all the best. We gonna make it. Like Jada K. and Styles P. said, we gonna make it. We gonna make it. We gonna make it. See you next year. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.